You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The NFL is back. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for Week 1. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season. Receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limit-time offer now by heading to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and checking out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same-game parlays. And if you live in a non-sportsbook state... Not to worry, because DraftKings is home to daily fantasy sports. Just draft your lineup and enter for a chance to win weekly cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. That's 1-800-9-WITH-IT. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 72. This one's a little bit more of a somber one, as the hockey world has been going through a rough patch lately. Uh, A lot of unexpected and hard-hitting deaths, and kind of all over the map, you know, from, you know, Hall of Fame players to current, you know, active hockey players to junior members uh, in the hockey world, so... Uh, Andy, uh, I have to ask you, how are you doing? Yeah, like you said, it's obviously been a very somber week for the hockey community. Uh, and yeah, just, I mean, and not even just the hockey community. I mean, as of this recording, we found out that uh, Charlie Watts, the drummer for the Rolling Stones, That's passed right. away today. So it's just, it just seems like recently there's been a lot of really tough and difficult, uh, you know, not that it's ever easy, but just it, it just seems like it's, it's coming a big grouping and it's just really sad and you know and uh it's obviously nice to see the outpouring of support and nice words for uh you know the recently departed but man it doesn't make it any easier and obviously hockey uh kind of feels like 
it, you know, I, they say this about every sport, but hockey does have a bit, a bit of a, no matter on what stage it is, it feels like a smaller knit community. So it's just, yeah, it's just really sad. And, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of heavy moments in the, in the, the last two weeks, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, the, the first death really kind of hit me Friday night. I got a text from my dad actually saying that Roger Bear passed away. And I looked everywhere on the internet, couldn't find it. I texted you, texted a couple other people. Roger Bear died, question mark. I got nothing, couldn't find it. I thought my dad maybe mistakenly heard something on, you know, AM radio, listening to a traffic report with Henrik Lundqvist, you know, retired. Maybe Roger Bear's role with the Rangers is dead. Like maybe he just misheard something. Then sure enough, two days later, they announced, uh, you know, the death of Roger Bear. And, you know, it's kind of crazy because, you know, he was not just a, a New York Ranger that was a Hall of Fame while he was, you know, obviously a player, an active player, I should say. But he was a current, he was relative currently within the organization. All the fans knew exactly who he was. He was always at every game. He always gave full attention to any fan that wanted to reach out and just shake his hand and or talk to him for a minute. And, you know, before, you know, we get into maybe his career with the Rangers, Andy, you know, I think one of your tweets just said it best, like how just a genuine guy he is. And, you know, you know, say a little bit about, you know, Roger Bear for people that, you know, maybe don't really go to a ton of games and realize like how gracious he actually is. Yeah. And and to just piggyback off what you said, just discounting what he's meant for the Rangers organization and hockey as a whole as an act when he was an active player. I mean, literally he spent he, his second career, which was probably longer than his playing career. Definitely was just longer. Definitely like as kind of the de facto grandfather of the New York Rangers. Like, and uh, you know, I've been to countless games at the Garden, as as have you, and you could always see him whining and dining and making his way around the bowls and shaking hands and taking pictures and slapping people in the back and smiling and laughing and meeting kids. And if there was a like an uh, the Rangers hosted an outside event like a marathon for charity or the Garnet Dreams Foundation or hockey in Harlem he was always there representing and you could even see on social media everyone kind of came out with a, a a personal photo and a cool story about meeting him i only met him once in person it was very brief but he was walking and he had his uh, he had a navy blazer on and you know, I saw the back of his head and I just kind of not even wanting anything or picture or anything. And I just was like, you know, like, hey, Rod. And I kind of waved and he turned around. And it was funny because I, I didn't I just saw him wearing a Navy blazer. But when he turned around, he had a Navy blazer on. But he also had like a Rangers T-shirt on over um, like a dress shirt. So it was like a blue Rangers jersey over. A, a, and I don't know why I just wasn't expecting it. It made me smile. And he just kind of turned around and like waved and said like eh, nice to see you and like kept walking and you know i just it was just funny it was like a little you know that was my only real interaction with him but he was just very friend like he just that energy was just what everyone else has shared about him um you know in the wake of his passing and like i said it's it's amazing because everyone you keep hearing and seeing people on social media share their stories and their interactions with him and what a just a, what a generous and sweet and kind and like 
you know, infectious personality this guy had and that he was such a good uh, representative of the New York Rangers and was kind of like, yeah, he was like their, uh, their de facto grandfather. And then that's not even to say uh, he is quite possibly one of the greatest New York Rangers to ever wear the sweater. I mean, he is still the franchise leading uh, points leader. He's still the franchise leading goal scorer. And yeah, I mean, with the gag line with uh, Rattel and Hadfield, um, you know, one of the most up there probably with the, uh, you know, Yager line with, uh, uh, Jesus, both their names are escaping me now with um, Straka. But you know what I mean. It was Strzok and Nylander, William Nylander, William Nylander, and Michael Nylander. Yeah. That's one of the most dominant lines in the history of New York Rangers, the, the gag line, you know, goal of game. And man, I mean, and that's the thing. It's just, he was literally a, just a worthy of all of his accolades in his playing career. And as just as much as he was in his re- retirement career, just being an ambassador for hockey in general and just for the New York Rangers. And man, like you said, it just hits you hard because it's just such a, it's so comforting having those legends kind of there to just to kind of keep that sense of history alive, even if it's a totally different era, just kind of, it's, you know, it's, it's it helps uh, fans to kind of reconnect with their history, even if it's something that was before their time. And that's what it was to me. So it's definitely difficult. And I can only imagine how people that started by watching, you know, Jill Bear and Vic Hatfield and John Rattel feel right now. Yeah, and he started so many fanships of the New York Ranger. I mean, he was nicknamed Mr. Ranger for a reason. He was the first number to be retired, you know, with the New York Rangers. So, you know, it's just not like he's not just another player in our organization. He was the first, you know, to get that honor. And just his whole career, if you look at it, he he just always felt at home in New York. And I think that's why he spent, you know, majority of his life living in New York City and working with the community and working with the New York Rangers, it's because, you know, this was his passion. It wasn't just being able to play the game of hockey, but it was also to work within the community. And, you know, it's crazy to think that, you know, I knew who he was growing up. Like, it wasn't like, oh, that's, that's, you know, um, um, (laughs) you know, it wasn't like, oh, there's just an old, New York Ranger. It was like, no, that's Roger Bear. Like I knew him when I was rooting for Boogaboom, you know, uh, Brian Leach, Mark Messier, and when I was six when the Rangers won the cup. It's like, well, no, that's Roger Bear also. Like I know who I knew who he was. I knew what the gag line was. Like that was, you know, my father's generation of, you know, hockey players growing up. Like they are the current day, you know, Panarin, Mika Zabanajad, you know, and uh and I don't know. God, I don't even know who the third one would be anymore. We'll just say Kako for good luck. But I don't know, Andy. Like it's one of those things where he was a link to the past, and you know the Rangers really don't have that anymore. And it's almost like so appropriate that he died when Lundqvist like hung them up. That it, now Lundqvist becomes kind of that version, maybe. Like it's so odd how that it kind of worked out. But I don't know how much, you know, or how quickly Lundqvist is going to get into this organization and kind of be that ambassador role and face of the New York Ranger franchise and kind of be the link to the past. I don't know how quickly that's going to happen. But don't you kind of get a feel that like, okay, like Lundqvist retired, Roger Bear can finally, you know, go rest in peace and kind of 
Lundquist kind of fills that void for me right now. Like, I don't know if you, you know, kind of get those vibes. I mean, you know, it, it definitely is kind of like a strange, bittersweet thing that it happened, worked out that way. Um, yeah, I mean, eventually, be it right now, you, just kind of the way, and the more, there are more Ranger fans being born every year into, you know, Rangers fandom um, as time progresses and your heroes get older and older. And pretty soon, uh, you know, if you look at it, the, when the age, the current Ranger, or excuse me, the, the 1994 Rangers were, when they won the cup, you know, Rod Gilbert was in the audience with a retired Ron Duguay and they were celebrating. And it's just funny how, you know, the, the, the 94 team is probably that old now ish, you know? So it's just, yeah, it's just very, uh, just the, you know, time waits for no one, unfortunately. And, but yeah, and pretty soon that, uh, that mantle will be taken, hopefully be taken up by, uh, those legends in 94 and now Henrik Lundqvist, whose you know, number will be retired this season. Um, you know, it's just the one thing that really stuck out to me, which I had forgotten about Rod, is that when he, when he was drafted or when he was eligible to be drafted, back then the Montreal Canadiens had dra- you know, sole drafting rights over uh, mm-hmm. any young junior player who played in Quebec. They had first crack at it, right? Um, knowing that the organization at the time was stacked, Rod decided to move to play uh, for hockey in Guelph, Ontario. And he brought his friend, his childhood friend, Jean Rattel with him. Basically being like, listen, we're not, you know, there's a lot of competition to crack the Canadians roster. But if we play for Guelph, you know, one of the other teams in the league can select us. And, you know, the rest is history. Literally. You know, without Rod, not only would you have his accolades, but you wouldn't have another Hall of Famer and, and uh, you know, retired, you know, legendary Ranger and John Rattel bringing his friend with him. So it's just funny how that worked out. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, Rod finished his career, played 1,065 games in the league. He scored 406 goals, which is still the uh, all-time leading score for the New York Rangers goal score. He's also their all-time leading assist score. He's got 615 finishing with 1021 points so man he's just a hell of a hockey player even with it you know he had at one point he had had uh, fallen on the ice and he hurt his back and he had to get a, you know a spinal fusion and this is in like you know in like the the late 60s early 70s where it's you know something like that back then is it was dicey but to come back and still be a productive player for a long time you know and just uh he was a hell of a scorer, and like we like well, like I had alluded to earlier, he his second career off the ice is even probably remembered just with the passage of time and just uh, recency, just remembered even more fondly. So, man, it was just a big blow to uh, the New York Rangers family and you know all their fans, and he'll definitely be sorely missed. Yeah, absolutely, and it's you know it, obviously his number will be you know hung in the rafters you know for the rest of time, and you know it's it's you know, very sad. So, all right, Andy, I mean, it's not like we're moving on to better news or anything. It's kind of more of the same, but, um, I don't know what you want to talk about first. Obviously the tragic accident with the junior hockey players is just awful losing, you know, three kids with so much potential. And so early in life, it's just, that was just like, Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. Like, uh, obviously flashbacks of the Humboldt Broncos, you know, storms your mind and it's just 
you know, you just shake your head, right? In disbelief. Yeah, really sad. Um, on Sat, you know, so uh, early last Saturday, there was a car crash, and it involved uh, three British Columbian uh, junior players: Caleb Reimer, Ronan Sharma, and Parker Magnuson. And yeah, just like you said, it's just horrible um, to have three young men who who had so much potential have their their lives cut short. And again, yeah, just just like with Humboldt, it's just. It's yeah, it's it's uh, it's very, it's just very sad. It's hard to process, especially, and yeah, to at that age, it's just, ah, uh, yeah, it's just yeah, it's just awful. It's it's kind of hard to find words, unfortunately, because it's like, you know, they were so young and they had they had their whole lives ahead and dreams and aspirations ahead of them, and it's just, yeah, man, life is uh, it's really yeah, it can be very unexpected and difficult and it's just yeah just just to top all everything that's happened in the past two weeks and all the just all the people we lost it's just it was just horrible to keep it's just like the hits just keep on coming so obviously horrible and uh yeah unfortunately it's like obviously our thoughts and prayers go out to not only the family of rod gilbert um but you know the family and the community for these three boys as well so yeah it's just uh like you said unfortunately it's like not really moving on to good news it's just uh yeah it's been a really difficult week yeah and you know last but not least it's obviously the maybe one of the bigger news stories of the off season and the passing of uh jimmy hayes which uh, i think everybody knows is kevin hayes's brother the Hayes family, just uh, one of the legendary hockey families in the uh, Boston area and Massachusetts area, uh, probably all in New England, really. And it's just unbelievable, heartbreaking news, you know, with his young kids at home and him just having, I believe there was a birthday party of his of one-year-old son the other day, which he was reposting photos and just woke up and, you know, unfortunately passed. Uh, I would assume overnight. I don't. I don't know the full details, but just another tragic hit. You know, Jimmy Hayes played. I know he was a kind of a journeyman in the NHL, but everywhere he went, people seemed to love him. He kind of had that uh, goofy personality, life of the locker room, uh, and just an awful, awful story to hear. And again, just brutal to the hockey world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just obviously because so many, you know, he was a play, you know, dra- I believe he's drafted by the Maple Leafs, uh, yeah. but, you know, he played for the Devils. He got to play for his hometown, Boston Bruins. He played for the Florida Panthers. And, you know, and he had also played uh, in the AHL for a couple different teams. Uh, he was in the Blackhawks organization for a little bit. Um, I think he played for. Wilkes Bar, which is um, a Penguins affiliate, so you know, I mean, but you know, he he played uh, three hundred and thirty four games in the NHL, you know, based a seven year career, and I mean, you just every literally as a for a guy who was on the move so much, uh, just to see some of the players coming out and their stories about him, just he was one of those guys that just like every team loved to have. He's just fun you know, lovable energy and, you know, he's got Patrice Bergeron and, 
Patrick Kane and, you know, saying stuff like this guy was one of my favorite teammates, even though they didn't play together a very long time. And yeah, and just obviously all of his, he was close with a lot of guys. And even in, you know, in the last few years as he was kind of in and out of the league and maybe hoping to get back, but he, you know, started a podcast or he joined a podcast with his, uh, you know, his friends with, uh, Scotty Upshaw and, uh, Shane O'Brien they had the, uh, missing curfew podcast, which yeah. is a great podcast. Uh, so I recommend everyone listen to it. There's some great stories and a lot of fun to listen to, but yeah, it's just gutting, man. I mean, he's 31 years old. He has two kids. He's, you know, he's got a, like you said, he was literally the day before he was posting pictures of his, his, uh, his son was cel- celebrating a second two year, you know, to his second birthday it's just it's so it's so it sucks it's so unfair and yeah it just oh man it's just awful because like you said it's just you know to leave your your kids especially just that having you know that young it's just it's never fair but that's just even seems more unfair so yeah just a incredibly difficult week and our uh our hearts definitely go out to uh the hayes family um you know jimmy's wife his children um his brother kevin and yeah and just even his extended family you know the kachucks um and uh the fitzgerald family and yeah it's just it's uh yeah just what a god man what a week just just awful awful week yeah certainly you know puts things into perspective and you know I, i don't know it's just very odd you know one of those weeks where you just like it's almost like a dream and I feel like the hockey world has just been slammed. And I don't know, selfish me even points to like Henrik hanging them up and thinking about, you know, what that meant to me as a kid growing up watching Henrik Lundqvist and how depressed I kind of was with him just, you know, maybe not getting a Stanley Cup and, and you know, kind of missing out maybe on a childhood Stanley Cup. And then, you know, you get three back-to-back awful stories of, of hockey players passing and just seeing what they all meant to the hockey community and like even like the kids at the junior level it's like you know what the junior programs are like up in Canada you know that those kids are like not many celebrities might be an awful term for it but like you know those communities really thrive off of the success of those junior programs the the kids are active within the neighborhoods they interact with the kids and with the youth hockey, you know, in those neighborhoods. And it just, whenever something like that happens and even Jimmy Hayes and, you know, even Roger Lair just kind of makes you look back and just kind of be thankful for everything you have and be thankful for the family that you still have here. And, and, you know, Andy, I don't really have much else to say because it's just, there's nothing to say that makes it any easier. Yeah. um, Like you said, our, heart thoughts and prayers and our hearts go out to uh you know the families and loved ones of everyone we mentioned and they'll all be sorely missed and you know just uh we definitely try to take uh solace and just hearing about the just all the uh the warm moments being shared about their lives from the people that knew them best and uh yeah we'll hopefully never forget them so um to try to move on to uh yeah, at somewhat normal hockey news. The New York Rangers did hire, uh, officially hire, three assistant uh, coaches for Gerard Gallant's staff. Um, you know, they hire Gord Murphy, who you might remember as an associate coach for the Hartford Wolfpack for the last uh, 
I think two or so seasons. Uh, so he comes up to join Gerard's staff. Uh, Mike Kelly, who you should know well because he has followed Gerard Gallant as uh, basically his assistant coach for him through his stints in Florida, and then he followed him to Vegas. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there that was definitely being widely speculated that it was he was most likely going to join Gerard Gallant. And you know, if hey, if it don't, if it ain't broke, uh, don't fix it. So makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, and then finally, uh, they hired Jim Midgley, who uh, I wasn't too familiar with, but he is currently uh, helping coach the Canadian women's uh, team at, at Worlds, which has been a great tournament, by the way, for people who have been watching the games. Definitely been awesome to watch, and it's great that you can finally watch. Those are more readily available. That's a different discussion. Um, and yeah, the Rangers posted an awesome video of uh, it, you know, that information being shared with the team and, you know, just... Uh, them all cheering him on and yeah it was just a really cool moment so uh yeah so like i said so it seems like the the pieces are finally in place you know i still kind of upset i feel like after my one feeling is this you know this obviously usually with assistant coaches it's just you know you know that the coach is going to hire who they want to hire so and it is what it is it doesn't really make or break anything uh, I do feel like Jacques Martin kind of got a raw deal in this because he was brought in to do something last season and he seems like he upheld his his end of the bargain as the Rangers defense actually wasn't so bad for once uh, and their penalty kill wasn't bad either. You know, obviously they had trouble uh, surrendering late goals or, or holding on to leads, but for, as a, ultimately as a defensive team they really they definitely weren't worse you know in the league so uh he definitely helped them improve them quite a bit so it was sad he couldn't have more time there but again gerard gallant's teams have a history of being well coached and that comes down to his, his assistance so uh, i guess not much reason to to doubt his wisdom so james do you have any thoughts on on these uh these hirings or anything yeah i do uh the first one is i i kind of agree with you with the jacques martin situation but at the end of the day, it's best to just to clean house. What the Rangers went through, just the, the kind of turnover they've had over the last few years, um, just the, the polarizing, uh, God, the polarizing decision making that Quinn made. And, you know, he, Jacques Martin did stabilize that bench. Uh, you know, he definitely did bring a little bit more on the defensive side of the puck, which was much needed. The problem is it just the whole thing has to go. I think when you bring in a new head coach for a young team and it's this polarizing and, you know, it, the firing of Gorton, we can, which we can get into also, and the firing of JD, it's just kind of like, let's start with everything fresh and new. Let's leave no connections or links to the past. Let's just move on as, you know, an entire coaching staff and, and kind of build you know, a, a new foundation, a new system, and, you know, with, you know, and just kind of get everybody on the same page that way. So I kind of agree with it. Um, I, I don't know. I have to look. I mean, you br- basically broke that news to me. Um, you know, today was a, was, a, was a rough one. So I wasn't really on my phone much um, looking at hockey th- stuff. So um, I will look into it and we'll definitely, you know, discuss this more and what that means for the New York Rangers moving forward. But, you know, all in all, I, I, this is why you have a head coach like Gallant. You kind of trust him to make these sort of decisions. So I have no reason, even if I don't really like these guys, it's like I still have no reason why not to trust Gallant. He's a professional. He's uh, coached in the NHL before. He 
I think he knows what he's doing. I think he's got his own expectations, and I'm sure he made that clear to uh, the organization and to these, you know, uh, three gentlemen who are going to be taking on a, a a project to bring this young group up to speed and make them not only competitive but a, a playoff hockey team. So I think they got their work cut out for them, but ultimately, I, I have my full faith and confidence in everything Gallant does as of now. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's just, it, you're right. It is best ultimately just to clean house. Um, and Gerard Gallant, his track record kind of, at least the last few seasons kind of speaks for itself. He clearly knows what he's doing behind an NHL bench uh, to come into the situation. I'd say his situation in Florida was maybe a little bit more similar to the Rangers in that they had young players kind of trying to come into their own in a younger Barkov and Hoover Doe. Uh, and then, you know, they had some okay middle of the road players. They almost kind of resemble the Rangers now-ish, although I do ultimately think the Rangers have more potential star talent than that early team. Although, you know, Florida has done a good job filling out that talent with uh, their roster with depth. And and then obviously Vegas was a totally different story, but they kind of lucked out into t- a couple of like at least uh talented top six scoring players in March or so and Carlson and um in Riley Smith. So yeah. Um but yeah, like I said, it's best to clear house. Gallant, Gallant knows what he's doing and uh yeah, I you just gotta let him let him coach the team as he as he sees fit. Um and you you assume that's what the front office is gonna do. And speaking of which James, another thing sort of Rangers related happened today. Do you know what that is? With Gorton on the podcast with yes. Jim Jansen. Yeah, so Jeff Gorton, former general manager of the New York Rangers, was on the Cam and Strick uh, podcast with, uh, was it, uh, Strickland and, like you said, Cam Jansen. Uh, yeah, and it was kind of interesting. If you haven't heard it, you should definitely check it out. Just talking about uh, his time with the Rangers. And, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like... And super illuminating. You just kind of it did confirm some things that maybe we kind of thought, and but at the same time, it was it was kind of interesting to get his take on some things. I mean, he did talk a little bit about his path to becoming general manager. Uh, they kind of asked him about the Tom Wilson incident, and like because you know there's been a lot of cheeky comments, and clearly it's uh, at the draft, he had made that comment about, I don't know if you know this, the Rangers are trying to get tougher to play against kind of as like a, a little pot. I, I don't want to say pot shot. That's almost too severe, but just as a little like tongue in cheek answer, especially with his dismissal and uh, JD's dismissal. But, you know, uh, I think Cam Jansen asked him if, you know, if, if there was anything going on else going on between Tom Wilson and, and the Rangers prior prior to that incident happen uh, happening. And, you know, he said no, but, he said, I think he said Tom Wilson is Tom Wilson, and he knows that the Rangers at that time didn't have uh, anyone who could really prevent him from doing Tom Wilson things, and he kind of liked to lord that over them, and he likes to be a bully on the ice. So, uh, you know, that was really, I, I don't think it's anything we didn't really know. Um, spoke about the D'Angelo stuff, which was pretty interesting. Uh, he did say he had to call Tony and said that, like, you know, we're trying as an organization, like we're ultimately put a product on the ice for the fans. So you can't go on social media and like fighting, get into fights and arguments with, with the Rangers fans. Can't do that. Uh, and then I think they tried to get him to to even 
elaborate, and he wouldn't, I, which I think is smart. I think, um, you know, I mean, if as long as he if he does want to become a general manager again, uh, yeah, I think organizations want to know that you are keep things in house and tight lipped and can be trusted. But he ultimately, you know, said Tony's a passionate guy and he's got a really he's like he is well liked by his teammates, but he's also very passionate about his views on how things uh, should go in the world. And yeah, he's just, he's very opinionated and he makes his opinions known and often to his detriment, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I mean, other than that, no, I think I don't, I, there was nothing else really. It was just kind of interesting to hear his anecdotes. He talked about um, at, you know, fans kind of giving him flack for drafting certain players when he's always been a guy who trusts his scouts and keeps his hands away, keeps, you know, keeps his hands off, even if he's, as guys he might personally see and like, he ultimately trusts the scouts. Like, why are you paying him all that money if you're not going to trust him? And then finally, um, he kind of talked about his dismissal. Apparently, he said him and JD had no idea that Dolan was going to make that statement. And uh, that, uh, yeah, I think that, I think he kind of basically said that it was kind of surprising to them how quickly it it circulated and the, the the firestorm kind of started around them and that uh yeah he still wasn't quite sure but he did he didn't he speculated that he didn't think it was just that incident or at least the let like you know the tom wilson thing i think it was i think he was just alluding to the fact that there was maybe uh uh jim dolan was upset with with more than just the tom wilson incident and that's also kind of been speculated that it was it wasn't just one thing it was the fact that the islanders had been bullying them around the ice all season and just they had no answers and they were hoping that i guess there was maybe the idea that they were going to get tougher to play against sooner rather than later and it just wasn't happening at the sake of like trying to break i guess break the kids in or trying to get you know your roonies and your blackwells ice time you know so um yeah that was really it but it was it was pretty interesting did you get to listen to it james I got to listen to a little bit bits and pieces. Uh, I kind of read actually through one of the trends because I couldn't have the uh, actual, uh, I don't know, the audio going. Yeah. So I kind of read through a lot of uh, what he was saying. And, you know, it was just kind of interesting to get it from, you know, the horse's mouth. That it was kind of weird. He gave us really nothing but he gave us everything at the same time. I don't know if that makes any sense. Well, that's the mark. I'd say that's probably the mark of what makes him a, a good GM. Cause I yeah. thought he was a good GM for this team is that they, they can make you feel like they're telling you things you want to hear. But at the same time you think about it, like, did he really confirm or deny anything? He's like, no, he didn't, but he kind of alluded to it. Uh, and that's just how he works, you know? So, um, yeah, I thought the, the, the tough, the toughness part was, uh, the most interesting, you know, where he said like, we, we were addressing it. We kind of knew we needed to be tougher. Like this is the vibe I got. Like we knew we needed to be tougher, but we also had all these kids who we needed to see, you know, what they had. And it was like, how quickly do you want to like, just my vibe was like, well, how quickly did you, did you want to just like bring in all these like fighters to be tougher? Or did you kind of want to figure out what you had in this youth? And it just seemed like Dolan was ready to go now. And they were still building a product, and it was just patience versus, you know, uh, impatience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, patience versus impatience, pretty much. And I don't know. I'm listen. I've waited. I've only have ninety four. So for me to wait a few more years to maybe try to do it the right way, I had no problem with. But I also understand the opposite opinion. You know, it's like 
the Ranger fans have waited long enough. Like it, there's excitement, there's buzz. We have Kako, Lafreniere, you know, Panarin, Zibanejad. We have, you know, all you know, Fox winning the Norris Trophy. It's like, you know, fans want this now. We're we're sick of waiting and, and seeing all these other young superstars kind of you know take off and blossom and David and you know Matthews and you know the Ranger Ranger fans are are, are ready. You know, so I don't know. I kind of see it both ways and. Andy, I got to ask you, from where we are today, from where we were, you know, maybe it was a late spring, early summer when all this kind of happened. Are, are you are you in a better position now? Do you feel like are you more comfortable now than you were then? Yes, but that's not to say I wouldn't be more comfortable if things had kind of stayed under because we don't know what this offseason would have looked like under. uh Gordon, because like you said, he was taking the him the slow and steady approach. Him and JD, and who's not to say they didn't wouldn't go out and try to get a Goudreau or a Blay? Um, you don't know if that would mean if they're because like we've kind of speculated that based on what we've seen in his short tenure so far, that Drury's a guy that knows whether it's by mandate or just by him having a vision and knowing what he wants. He's someone who just executes and does it, and he's willing to. He doesn't really care about maybe paying paying a little extra, you know, which is reminds me of we have a a certain mutual acquaintance of ours who will grocery shop at one place, but while he's at that, he'll leave that grocery store and then go to another grocery store just because he can get like hot he'll get hot dogs at one grocery store, but then go to another grocery store because the buns are fifty percent or fifty cents cheaper. And he he's willing to walk uh damn near half a mile just to get them half a whereas for better or worse you know chris Turry is uh he's he doesn't mind overpaying he's like this is what i want if this is what's going to cost us i'm going to do it there's a, it's a calculated risk but i'm making sure i get the player i want and it just puts me one step forward for putting the product on the ice that i want to see so um yeah, but I, I, it's kind of hard to say if Jeff Gordon had remained with the team, what they would look like. Maybe they would have addressed that stuff, and they were just truly being patient. Because ultimately, why I'm the most comfortable, it usually has nothing to do, or not. I shouldn't say nothing. It, I, obviously, the the Barclay Goudreaus and the Sammy Blay and the even the Ryan Reeves, they do help you feel a little bit more. I guess what, that like the team will walk with its uh, head held a little bit higher, but. At the same, you know, the same token, it's like I feel better because I know that Kapokako, Philip Hedl, Vitaly Kravtsov, and Alexi Lafreniere are going to be one year older. And same thing with uh, Linda Grimm and uh, Fox, you know, and hell, even uh, just any of the other young guys on the team. Because yeah, the 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 youth of this team is what which uh, Gordon was trying to cultivate and just was trying to see what he had in them. That's ultimately what I think is going to make or break the success of this team. Because yes, they've had their superstars the last few seasons, but just the the spot under the lineup for those guys, their marquee guys, has been kind of in... Yeah, it just it's been... Uh, it hasn't been consistent because players have been finding themselves coming to their own. But if those guys come into their own, those spots are suddenly filled and they're solidified there. So it was always going to hinge on that. So, But like I said, maybe sometimes it's like you always think about, or at least I do, you think about the 94 Cup team and uh you know and just mike uh, keenan trying to get his uh general manager at the time to to trade for uh, stefan matteau and 
man, it's like one of those things where he gave up a pretty steep price to get him, but and arguably a worse player on paper. But ultimately, they the Rangers will remember Matt Toe for forever, you know? Yeah, and it's like looking at how the Rangers are built currently as opposed to what I wanted them to be looking back at that, you know, uh, early summer, late spring, whenever that was. You know, I am in a more comfortable spot, but I kind of feel like the Rangers were like in, you know, in Mario Kart, when you hit the like the little uh, gem thing and, um, you know, it would spin and you got the, you know, the mushrooms. I feel like the Rangers like hit one of those gem things when they fired JD and Gordon and they got the mushrooms with Drury and they're all of a sudden Drury's like, all right, here we go. And it's like, <laughs> we got like, <laughs> we got tougher. We got, you know, a new coach. Everything's kind of like happening so quickly. And like so many different things were addressed this off season. And it's like, hopefully, you know, we don't lose control here and, and, and miss a turn uh, or go left when we should have went right. So. You know, the, I, I, I am in a more comfortable spot and there's no reason really, really why I shouldn't feel this way. But the only thing I think is, is like sometimes when I feel like things are being forced and you go too far the other way, you kind of lose control. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's just because of the nature of this week and how things have played out so far uh, in the hockey world. But I don't know. I, I don't know why I feel a little bit down and a little nervous about the New York Rangers. And and we can get into this, you know, next podcast and and discuss, you know, why now all of a sudden I'm doing a, a 180 when I, you know, I, I feel like I've been pretty confident uh, for the past month or two. So, um, yeah. And you got any final thoughts? Because, you know, I don't want to get into this too, too, too much. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was just kind of thinking about how I don't want it to come off that. I think Jeff Gordon... Like I, I was upset that Jeff Gordon had gotten uh, and uh, JD got released, but at the same time, it's you look for all the good that has come out of their tenure. I mean, it'd be I'd be lying if I said they're the last uh, maybe year and a half to two seasons under their tutelage. A lot of stuff happened. I mean, and not all not all good. I mean, you had the Leo Sanderson situation, you had the Vitaly Kravtsov situation, you had the D'Angelo situation. Uh, you had rumors of things just not being all that great in the locker room. There was some glaring holes that were kept getting harped on uh, to get filled that just didn't. And the yeah, I just didn't think, respect the coach. Like, yeah, you heard all that stuff, stuff. And it was just, I think it was just one thing after another. And I think, you know, rightly or wrongly, Jim Dolan or, or, or probably more accurately, Glenn Sather was like, this is, we need to change something here. Um, so, yeah. So, again, uh, I do appreciate, I do think ultimately, that uh, Gorton was one of the best people the Rangers could have had in place to uh, be the ar- the architect early on, at least for the future of this team, because he was able to get some good pieces here. Uh, he did make some pretty shrewd moves. I mean, the fact we still got Zabanjad for Broussard all these years later is is amazing. Obviously, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know how much credit to give him for signing Panarin, but because I think just Panarin just wanted to be here. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, it, it's uh, one of those things where it's. Uh, He's done a pretty good job with some things. He's not didn't do such a great job with other things, but that's literally every GM in the league. You know, they have their strong suit, things they're good at, and there are things that they may be just not the best at. And I, it's very hard to find one who's good across the board. Uh, 
I don't know, maybe at you could say at this point uh, that um, Iserman in Detroit or formerly Tampa might be one of those guys. But, you know, he's do has to conduct a rebuild of his own now. So we'll see uh, if he can get you know, the same uh, results that he got in, in Tampa or at least seeded the, the field for. But, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it does, to, I guess, to try to put a neat bow on all this, it just a lot of change, but it's it kind of almost feels a little bit necessary. Like you said, it's just even with Lundqvist retiring, it's like this is a new, you know, there's it's not about looking backwards. It's about looking forward and thinking about what this team can do and what this organization and this franchise, the potent, they have the potential to do in the future. And it's been nice reminiscing and living in the past and having those memories. And I, you know, I'll cherish them forever, you know. Uh, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's, not, it's also about making new ones. So I hope that they have the team and the front office and the, just the, the collection of individuals in place to make that happen. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod. And please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.